2: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Mike Berbiglia is a virtuosic storyteller, part stand-up comedian, part one-man show specialist. Berbiglia has created his own genre of performance. His latest work is a coming of middle age story as he reckons with the ways that his body fails him and he fails it. He's bringing it to the Berkeley Rep for 20 shows in case you need a good laugh about diabetes and high school wrestling alongside meditations on the nature of death and families like Berbiglia's own that don't say I love you. And then we'll check in on places around the Bay where sea level rise could hit toxic waste sites spreading environmental damage across vulnerable communities. That's all next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Mike Birbiglia has come a long way from telling jokes on college campuses to confuse sophomores raising money for lupus. He's put out two Netflix specials, two feature films, a couple of books, a child, and a podcast, working it out. He's a frequent contributor to This American Life and The Moth Radio Hour. And of course, he made an appearance on Forum in 2017. Welcome back to the show, Mike. Thanks, Alexis. That was a, that was a lot of stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm exhausted. You've been busy, yeah. I think out. Um, apparently, yeah. So I want to start off with the dumbest possible question, just so there's nowhere sure. to go but up. Um, and something that I've wondered about you and other comedians with these big shows is, how do you remember these incredibly long and intricate performances? Is it really just like brute force memorization? You know
3: what it is is, and in, in this and this is something I've had to deal with coming back. From not performing so much of the pandemic is it's pure uh, repetition of the same you know the same show or variation on a show over and over again to the point where it's just you have this sort of you know ninety minute <laughs> little external hard drive in your brain <laughs> that you just plug in yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I mean it's that it's not so mechanical I mean because I always think of it as as interrelationship with the audience and your you know, you're presenting your stories and then, and then you get a response and you actually don't know what the response is going to be. And so you're spitting out your very, you know, your version of what your response is to their response. It's actually the thing that Seinfeld once said about stand-up comedy, which is that, um, is that the audience is your scene partner, which I mm. think is true. I, I, I actually think that's one of the best assessments of, of live solo performance I've ever heard.
2: I mean, does that mean you can just go back and you can, you know, one of your older shows, like, thank God for jokes, you can just go back into it and, like, hit play and it suddenly comes back out? Or do you just clear, you oh you God. wipe the hard drive um, after I, every show? I think I
3: wiped the hard drive because, yeah, sometimes people, sometimes people will say back to me a, a bit. Um, I have, like, this joke that people sometimes quote back to me about how um, years ago, like, I went, when I was single, it's like I went to a dance club and... Everyone wants you to, to dance at the clubs. They're like, you got to dance. You got to dance. And then I dance. And they're like, not like that. <laughs> um, and and it's something people quote to me a lot. And I literally don't remember the bit. I actually remember my version of the story of what happened that night as opposed to like what ends up being, you know, because as autobiographical storytellers, I, I'm sure you'd hear this from, you know, David Sedaris or Zadie Smith or any any sort of semi autobiographical or semi autobiographical writer is like there's what happened and then there's what you write, Right, <laughs> there's the permutation, like, right? Yes, <laughs> I mean you do your best and often the often the the truest version is the best version, but occasionally it's not, and you 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 are you know liberal with timeline and all that kind of stuff.
2: I did, you know because you do work so autobiographically and you only have one life to mine, um, Mm -hmm. you do have a lot of longtime fans who kind of do know the ins and outs of your life and your history. But you also, of course, are going to encounter people who uh, have never heard your jokes before, never heard your stories before. So now that you're established in the way that you are, how do you try and balance, because you're working with that audience, how do you try and balance between people who think they know you really quite intimately and total newbies?
3: Well, yeah, and it's a vast majority who are newbies, actually. Like, I like oddly, like, you know, I <clears throat> there's a there's like a famous George Carlin like quote where he goes like I I don't need a hundred percent of people to like what I'm doing. I need about one percent of people to like what I'm doing <laughs> in order for me to have a career. And I feel like that's completely. The guiding principle of of how i I do my shows. It's like when I, you know, if I pop in at a comedy club, people don't go nuts, like, you know, <laughs> like like I'm Jerry Seinfeld or something. They're like, oh, okay. This person, you know what I mean? Like, but then, like, if I come, you know, if I come to Berkeley or I come and I do like a Mike Birbiglia, like this show is called The Old Man in the Pool. And the people are people who are on my mailing list for 20 years or whatever it is. It's like they're really invested and they know a lot of them know the backstory of like I had cancer when I was 20. I jumped through a second story window sleepwalking when I was 25. Like I've had I've, you know, I was diagnosed with diabetes. when I was like 37. Like I've had a lot of stuff and there's so and those those folks are sort of tuned in. So it does become this thing that you're pointing out, which is like, I'm actually playing for both groups of people and trying
2: to bring them into the same audience that they're in, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's like the Berbiglia cinematic universe. You know, you've got like the, <laughs> yes. they may not have seen some of the shows, but they've seen others. Yeah. Um. For, so for this one, the old man in the pool. Did you set out when you started you're like I'm going to try and find the least funny thing which is my health uh yeah. and do a show about that like is it sort of a like a level of difficulty setting you wanted to ramp up It's funny cuz I think
3: I think that w- you know with all the shows I I write about what I'm experiencing um there's a there's a bay area uh there's a bay area artist actually who I love Wendy McNaughton um who is uh she, she she does this great thing for kids called draw together mm-hmm. and my my daughter you know watches it um, and uh, it's, it's on YouTube and everything and it's, um, she always does, says this thing which is which is uh, which is something I learned when I took a drawing class in college which is sort of draw what you see as opposed to and I hope I'm not butchering this Wendy I apologize she also <laughs> designed she co-designed my uh, our me and my wife's book cover for the new one um, oh, she's minute. like a brilliant brilliant artist. But she says sort of draw what you see as opposed to, like, what you perceive. Like, in other words, like, if I'm I'm looking at this microphone, I'm not drawing a microphone. I'm drawing what I see uh, here, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what's in front of me. I think of comedy as the same thing. I think of, like, you talk about what you see. You don't talk about what you're told you're supposed to see, mm. you know. And so... And so for me, it's like the last show, which people can see on Netflix or whatever. It's, it's called The New One, Mike Birbiglia calling The New One. It's like about my experience of having a child and how I never wanted to have a child. And then I had a child and what that experience of that first 13 months of that was like. And, and <clears throat> what's funny about comedy, I think, is, you know, and for the previous show, Thank God for Jokes, it was about, you know, I, I went out on tour with this goal of like, you know what? This isn't going to have a narrative arc. I'm just going to do jokes cuz I <laughs> love jokes. And then the more I did these jokes, I was like, I think this show is about how I feel about jokes. And then it ended up having a narrative arc about that. And uh and and so I feel like uh you know, so often like with so this show is called The Old Man in the Pool and it's about aging and mortality, and it's really just like what's on my mind. You know, it's like it's like you know, I go out and I I'm I'm talking about how I went for a pulmonary test and the doctor asked me to blow into the tube and I, I, you know, and I did it and then he goes, uh, he's looking at the screen, he goes, go ahead and do it again and I go, no, I just did it. He goes, no, nothing here, you know, and I'm and like, did it again, and he, he, you know, and then he's like, if I were going by this, I would say you're having a heart attack right now, you know, and I was like, am I having a heart attack? Because if I were, if I thought I were, I'd come here and ask you and uh, and so like that's, it's honestly like... It's things like that. Like, that's a story that that's a little piece of in the show. It's like things that happen in my life. And I just go, all right, well, let's shape something around this because this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm to go back to the Wendy McNaughton point. It's like, this is what I'm
2: seeing. Mm hmm. So I've gotten to listen to a version of this show, which was really exciting and, and really hilarious. And I, one thing I couldn't figure out is if you're actually worried about your health. Like you're worried. <laughs> in the, like, you know what I'm saying?
3: You and my director. Um, the, uh, the No, that's a great point. That's a great point. I think I am. I think I am. I think like um, it's. You know, I'm forty, just to contextualize this for folks listening because I again, to go back to the George Carlin point. I'm a vast majority of people isn't it is not are in their cars or whatever. It's like they, they don't know who I am. I'm yeah, a comedian. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm a comedian, been doing this about twenty years. I grew up in you know Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, and uh, I have some Bay Area ties. My sister Patty and my brother-in-law Juan and uh, my nephew Vinny, live there. but um and and I've been coming there for years, but But, yeah, I'm 43, and, you know, I have this joke that isn't in the show, but I've done it on my podcast before, which is, I'm 43, which is exactly halfway through my life. Not technically, not everyone dies at 86, but no one's ever like, 80 through 100, those are the years. (laughs) They're more like, I was 83, I reached for a grape, and I never walked again. You hear that sometimes. But, like, that's, I mean, in terms of, like, uh, sort of what you know? Am I worried? It's like what you know? What's this fixation? It's like, yeah, I think like I think what happens is is at least for me, I got into my forties and I started having all of these sort of pre you know what they call pre existing conditions and issues, of breathing and diabetes and all this kind of stuff. And I've already have sleepwalking. I had cancer when I was younger, and you just start to go, oh wow, like I you hear I'm that phrase. Apart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, this is a, I, I, this body's a lemon. But it's like, you know, you hear that expression when you're younger, over the hill. I, I literally, when I was a kid, I'd see that on like, you know, little like greeting cards and things like, or you're mug. over the hill, yeah. a mug, whatever the things. I literally didn't understand it until I got on the hill and I'm looking around and I'm going, oh, wow, there's natural causes, you know, like, <laughs> they're not close, but they're coming. And and that, that's that been my experience of it is like it's literally in my 40s is the first time where I'm going, oh, I got it. I'm
2: over the hill. Oh, man. Yeah, I hear you. It's <laughs> getting out of bed, getting out of bed every day. It's a great reminder of what being over the hill is. Um, I We want to tap into the people who love you. So we want to do a little listener call. What questions do you have for Mike Berbiglia? And here's a couple ones you might wanna wanna try. At what age did you listeners feel middle aged? And interestingly, what has surprised you about middle aged? I have a friend who says uh, that her mind has never. She feels exactly the same age as she did when she was 20, but her body feels much, much older than she was anticipating. Uh, give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, KQED Forum, or you can email your questions or you know attempts at jokes to forum at KQED Org. We're talking with Mike Birbiglia, comedian and storyteller. His latest one-man show is *The Old Man and the Pool*, which opens at Berkeley Repertory Theater on January 4th. We'll be back with more after the break. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking with Mike Birbiglia, comedian and storyteller. His latest one-man show, The Old Man in the Pool, Oakland uh, opens at the Berkeley Rep on January 4th. What questions do you have for Mike Birbiglia, longtime fans out there? And at what age did you feel middle-aged? What surprised you about these middle decades? that at least I and Mike find ourselves in, uh, give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Uh, you can get in touch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, KQD Forum, or forum at kqed.org. Um, I want to talk about swimming a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, sure. I hate swimming and I'm bad at it, so your show made me feel better. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I liked same, your description same. of uh, swimming as being like a blender in the water. I really identified yeah. with that. Um, but you've, gotten, you've been taking lessons. You're getting good now, you're leaving the yeah, rest I'm of trying. us behind.
3: well, I'm part of it is that my daughter six and a half, and so you hit this point where you just go, well, I have to be I, I have to be as good as she is <laughs> <laughs> so that I can be reliable she's four. <laughs> yeah, so I can be reliable as a at least as a float in the water like I had this reckoning moment. Where i was uh i was I was with my swimming with my wife and daughter and uh in a swimming pool and and there was this moment where I go i go to my wife i go Jen like you like we're having una and I are having a great time in the water, you know like you can go like finish your book, I know you're reading or go for a walk or whatever and and Jen goes, uh, I can't trust you in the water." alone with Una because you don't know how to swim. And I was like, I've been taking lessons. And she said, but I'm watching you right now. And it, like, really forced me to double down and be like, okay, I'm going to be afloat for my daughter in the pool. And I bet, yeah, I've gotten okay. I've got, there's a certain, there's a certain degree, there's a certain way in which uh, there's sort of a magical quality to swimming where you experience sort of, human beings have sort of a neutral buoyancy uh in in water which is the name of my band there's 30 of us and we make wh- whale sounds at medium-sized holidays but uh and bar mitzvahs yeah and bar it's mitzvahs good. yeah but uh neutral buoyancy but but uh but yeah no I, I i sort of love it now to be honest with you and then like it's you know it's, it's weirdly like you know a lot of the show is i talk at the beginning of the show i talk about how much i don't I grew up going to the YMCA pool since I was five years old. That's, like, all I remember from childhood. And I remember thinking, like, I never want to go back to the YMCA pool. (laughs) Nothing against the good people at the YMCA. It was just, like... We have
2: an excellent YMCA here in Oakland.
3: Yeah, Yeah. no, of course, of course. And I, I donate to the YMCA. I think they do a great job. But it's, uh... But it was just one of these things that's like the, the aggressive use of chlorine, like uh, like the half-blown-up basketballs in the snack machine room with a coffee maker that also makes soup. I was just like, I don't want to go back. And then here I am, you know, in middle age, and my doctor's like, I think you should go to the YMCA. And that's sort of, in some ways, that's the metaphor of the show is I'm, I'm re- that's why it's the old man. And the pool is like, I'm returning to the YMCA in middle age.
2: See I'm fine with the swimming part actually I think it's the breathing while swimming that I find difficult and so I want to privilege the breathing part you know Well that um, yeah
3: that's a, that's a whole thing I've understood as a, as a grown up is is that is the breathing side I think is I think they've changed strategies in since since I was a kid cuz now it's you you breathe you blow in you blow bubbles into the water. Like, I just never... I don't think that that was in the 1980s version of swimming. I agree. They did us wrong. (laughs)
2: Um, Let's bring in Ted from Los Gatos. Hey, Ted, welcome. Yes. yes.
0: My story is about my uh, 40th birthday that I decided to uh, celebrate. And uh, so I sent out formal invitations, but I sent them out in the form of uh, a uh, basically a... uh, death announcement that basically please join oh Ted Elms as he passes on over the hill
2: oh no. to 40. You you sent out your own death announcement. <laughs> um well, I, Mike, I, this I, actually I, feels I, like it might be uh the basis of a bit. You might do that.
3: Well that's right up my alley. Well thanks again, thanks for the
2: lo- lo- thanks looking, Ted.
0: looking Yeah looking back I understand. Yes.
3: Yeah no, I, I think like, I I think that that's that's part of it. You hit yeah, you hit forty, and you just started to go. Oh right, yes, that's coming. And uh, and you know, one of my favorite books of all time is uh, Ilya Kazan wrote a book on directing. It's Ilya Kazan on directing, and he says, and I I I, I hope to not butcher this, but he basically says. That The mistake that artists make sometimes is they don't write from the perspective of the age that they are living in at that moment, like in other words, like an older director might try to you know be cool and pretend to be a young hip director or whatever and um and 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 he says in the book like sort of embrace the age that you're at, and I feel like that's that's definitely a goal that i'm I'm trying to be sort of honest with myself about the age, yeah.
2: Let's bring in Skovren from Sacramento. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Hey, good, good. Hey. Um,
0: uh, I was just calling because uh, I just started doing open mics out in New York City. I'm actually home for the holidays. But um, I, was just, I, I would love to be able to do long narrative stuff, but I also i am interested in the way Mike does these uh, – I don't know, the way you do these these shorter kind of sets where they're more punchy and they're, they're you know, doesn't have these sad or these highs and lows. But when you do these long stories, you get these beautiful dynamics where you're bring, bringing it low and you bring it high. And I was just hoping you could talk a little bit about that aspect. I know it's not a, so much about aging, but uh, no, yeah, no, I was hoping you could means. talk about that stuff.
3: No, absolutely. I mean, you know, a, a, a huge contributor to that was – um, in the early 2000s, I was asked to do a story with the Moth. You know, in the Moth. This was before they had the Moth Radio Hour on public radio. They were a storytelling series in New York, and and um and that was the first time I told a, a long form story on stage, and. And it really sort of broke open this thing in me where I was like, oh, <laughs> this this is what I should this be doing. you know, yeah. yeah, what am I doing? And uh, and so, you know, because I you know, I'd studied playwriting and screenwriting, and but I'd never sort of, and I'd done stand-up and I'd never sort of put those two things together, which is narrative and uh, jokes. And that's when I started doing it in earnest and then and then um, I started working with um, shortly after that with Ira Glass from This American Life and we did probably, you know, seven or 10 stories together and I learned so much from him as well and
2: and um what did, I mean what did, my, what did he teach you? What did This American Life teach you? Cuz they obviously oh gosh, are extremely so good at storytelling. But like as you approach them, like what did you take away from their Well Two, well, two things. One, I should I should speak
3: to sort of like the question, which is sort of how do you develop this thing? Um, because there's, you know, it's in the stand-up comedy world, you really do live joke to joke. You live 15 seconds to 30 seconds, essentially, with every audience. And so, you know, in terms of that, I would say... Um, uh you know seek out i would say storytelling communities like moth you know moth communities d you know there's you know risk i think is another one there's a bunch of storytelling communities um, that i would i would try you know even if you're able to do a three minute four minute five minute story i mean essentially like uh, you know so often with my stories it's like three minute stories become five minute stories which become ten minute stories which become theoretically like an 80 minute story, like the show I'm doing right now. <clears throat> sorry, the um, my director and I always think of these shows as you're telling a single story. And it's it's using the building blocks of a three minute story, six minute story, etc, cetera, et cetera, to form into a single story. In terms of like the This American Life of it all. I mean, Iris taught me, I mean, everything, uh, you know, almost everything I know about storytelling. One of the big things he's taught me is that when you're telling a story, a really helpful tool is to tell a little bit of plot and then to talk a little bit about how you feel about that plot and then give a little bit more plot and then how you feel about that, et cetera et cetera <clears throat> and um and that and for me the how you feel about it is jokes, you know, and so often because that's how I express myself I'm a comedian and so and so um. You know, I'll tell a story and I'll tell a joke about sort of how I feel at that moment. And then I'll tell a little mo- more of the story and a joke about how I feel about that. And, and I, I find that that's a really useful like strategy.
2: Yeah. We're talking with Mike a comedian and storyteller. His latest one man show, The Old Man in the Pool, opens at the Berkeley Repertory Theater on January 4th. And I think it runs for like 20 nights, right?
3: I think that's right, yeah, yeah. something like that. It's uh, 20 shows. And I actually did my last show there, the new one, before it went to Broadway. So with any luck, well, hopefully this will end up uh, being on Broadway. Going there, that's awesome. Someday. What questions
2: do you have for Mike? And you can also answer our middle-aged question. At what age did you feel middle-aged? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, KQED Forum. And the email is forum at kqed.org. Let's bring in uh, Moose from Walnut Creek. Hey, Moose. Hi. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, Mike, uh, big fan of your work, uh, and I'm a huge fan of comedy in general. I've watched a lot of comedy. I didn't grow up in the U.S. They came here, and they learned a lot of culture through comedy myself, mm-hmm. to like reintegrate myself into society uh, through the eye of comedians. And one of the things I noticed is that there are buckets of comedians, and some of them have shifted recently due to politics, (laughs) like John Mulaney, like Chappelle, like uh, Hannah Gatsby. They they have used their platform to actually re-educate their audience and bring the forefront, like the pain of society in form of jokes to fix the mainstream media that's like what happens with like the rise of what supremacist uh you know uh, black mm-hmm. life matter etc but i have not seen you done any acts in that direction is it by design or you just want to stay away from it
2: good question moose what do you think mike
0: i think
3: that um you know i tell stories on stage about my life and uh the hope is that uh Within the personal, is is the political? Um, you know, I which is not an expression that I invented. I think someone else has <laughs> invented that. Yeah. I think um, I've heard it. Yeah, <clears throat> but um, but I think you know, I tell personal stories about myself. I try to be very very vulnerable, and I think uh, about how I feel, you know, and um, and I think that w- within that, I think people can sort of draw their own conclusions. I think being I think being vulnerable on stage to to a group of strangers is a certain type of of political act in in a certain way. Um, I don't like to get in the weeds on uh, politics uh, issues because it's uh, ultimately ephemeral. I mean, even Jon Stewart, who I think was really one of the greats in this form at The Daily Show all those years. Said made this point when he left the show, which is, you know, everything I do is disposable. <laughs> everything I do on this show will be basically null and void in, in six months from now. And so when I make these specials, when you know, you could go back on Netflix and you can watch My Girlfriend's Boyfriend, or you can watch, you know, Think Up Her Jokes, and one of them was made in 2013, one of them was made in 2016, I think. They they actually still hold up pretty well. Like my director and I like really go out of our way to make these shows um be watchable in 10 years from now, 20 years from now. I mean that that's definitely my goal is 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 to write something so human that ultimately it transcend, it, you know <clears throat> it transcends, you know, the moment but also it can apply to it. I mean like you look at like my special, Thank up for jokes, which is on Netflix and I think 2017, and a lot of it, a lot of it applies now. <laughs> Whenever people ask me to comment on current events, I go, "You should watch the comedy special for I wrote in 2017 about jokes uh, that I spent four years on. You know, and 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 really carved out exactly how I feel about about jokes and and how how they how we benefit from jokes and how we are, you know, we sort of
2: live and die by the sort of jokes." Yeah. Thank you for that uh, call, Moose. Let's go to Reese in Oakland. Welcome to the show, Reese. Hi, Alexis.
0: Hi, Mike Verbiglia. Hi there. Mine is a less serious question, but kind of on the tails of what you were just speaking about. Um, Back several years ago, you did a segment um, for the This American Life live show um, called Of Mice and Men, and in it yeah. you said that now from here on out you it's one of my favorites um Thanks. both of yours and of this american life and in it you said that you and your wife now refer to the state of massachusetts as massachusetts <laughs> I see where this and is I am going i'm wondering if that is ephemeral or if that has held up <laughs> uh,
3: you might have you might have trapped me that might be the ultimate <laughs> gotcha question um i I think we don't call it Massachusetts, uh, but we do have. I mean, the point of that whole, the point of that whole segment is is that is that inside jokes, jokes between you and your your significant other, your best friend, are the most satisfying types of jokes. And Jen and I continue to have those in our life. Like I, <clears throat> the one that we were that we were using today was literally I I, I'm on the tonight show this Friday and the other, and I saw today that the guest, the other guest is Reese Witherspoon and it made me, it reminded me and Jen of the fact that like literally, I don't know if you remember walk the line, this amazing movie that, that Reese Witherspoon was in, um, about the life of Johnny Cash. Um, and, uh, and there's this moment where, where the Johnny Cash character goes, like, baby. And she goes, baby, 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 baby. <laughs> anyway, we, we use that around the house quite a bit. <laughs> and it's so stupid. And, and yet, and yet, it makes us laugh harder than anything.
2: Yeah. Um, thank you for that, Reese. Uh, Esme in Calistoga. We've got about 30 seconds.
0: Okay. So real quick. Hi, Mike. Hi, Alexis. Um, Long, long time, huge fan. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about health because I've had cancer three times since I was 15. I've had heart issues. I've got bad joints. I literally have been off of work because I fell and hurt my hips. Mm. I have felt middle-aged since I was 20. And when I talk to people about this... It's really hard. I'm pretty lighthearted about it cuz I have to live with it every day.
3: Yeah.
1: But
0: I need to figure out a way to make other people feel lighthearted about it when I tell them
2: cuz it just makes them depressed.
3: Oh, oh my that, gosh. Wow. wow.
2: <laughs> well, Mike, that's <laughs> all you anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, that, um, <laughs> so we're going to wrap, wrap we're going to
3: wrap we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. The it's it's a hard it's such a hard question. I mean, yeah, I mean that's literally the goal of what all of my shows, you know, I sleepwalk with me it was about jumping through a second story window, sleepwalking and almost dying. And, you know, I, I, I talk in this show about having diabetes and then when I had cancer when I was I was 20. And and um, it's such a challenging thing. But I actually I mean, in my gut and and I, you know, th- this is what all of my shows really are based on the premise that within the saddest, most challenging human, uh, you know, obstacles, um and heartache are the funniest moments and are the things that we can bond over because ultimately there's a there's a comedian I had on my podcast uh, working it out. His name is Jimmy Carr, British comedian. And he says this thing about cancer, which is like we joke about cancer because we either have had cancer we're close to someone who's had, who's had cancer. You know, we, we're all tangentially experiencing all these tragedies all at once. So actually, I, I would say go for it in terms of making light of yeah. making light of things that are, are challenging. Because you, I think you'd be surprised about how many people are dealing with some of the same stuff. Thank you,
2: thank you, Esme. Thank you, Mike Berbiglia, comedian and storyteller. Um, His latest one-man show, "The Old Man in the Pool," opens at the Berkeley Repertory Theater on January fourth. Thanks for coming on. Oh, I love it. Thanks. (laughs) Stay tuned for more Forum after the break.
1: This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home
2: Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all
0: areas. Actual speeds vary.
2: Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair.